0: opportunity and the privilege to come to other campuses. This is my first time at mission Viejo, and i 'm so excited to be here with you today. Um, one of the th- Thank you. you know one of the things that we do at summertime is we go on vacations right How many of you have already gone on your summer vacation right This is what we do we go on summer vacations and um, vacations are one of those things that we go on vacation expecting nothing but great things to happen, right? We have good expectation that we're going to visit someplace new, we're going to meet some new people, we're going to eat some new food, maybe you have some new experiences, read a novel, hang out, relax, whatever. Vacations are always filled with great expectations. And we always want to come back with great stories of a wonderful time during our vacation time. But sometimes they don't quite work out that way, do they? In fact, I had such a vacation. Uh, years ago, when my three children were small, we went on a camping trip. We couldn't afford to do much, so we decided we're going to drive from Orange County to Santa Cruz, uh, along Highway 101, camping along the way. Our three children, my husband and I, we packed in our car with all our stuff. You know, when you have three little kids, it's a lot of stuff, right? Right we're packing it, we ran out of room, we packed some stuff on top of the Jeep, and we head off to our adventure camping trip. All was good until we got to Santa Barbara. In Santa Barbara, on the 101 freeway, our beach chairs flew off the top of the Jeep. And we were crazy enough to stop and try to collect these wheelchairs on the 101 freeway. Yes, we got them and we survived. And we thought, all right, that's going to be a really good story. We'll tell when we get home. Our vacation now can start. Well, it only got worse. In fact, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but by the time this vacation was over, it was one week, this is what happened. My son fell off a skateboard and had a concussion. That night, we were trying to keep him awake because, you know, you're not supposed to let him fall asleep, and a storm hit. We were camping by the beach, and there's sand smacking our little tent, and all we could do is keep him awake and keep the tent from collapsing on us all night long. We managed to survive that. The next morning, we go on a little bike ride, and my youngest daughter, about two and a half at that time, her foot got stuck on the wheel, and she sprained her ankle. That wasn't fun, so we decided, forget the bikes. We're going to go on a walk, and my daughter walks through Poison Ivy and gets a whole nasty rash. We decided to head back home because things were not going so good. And along the way, we stopped, because when you have three kids in the car, you have to stop, you know what I'm saying? And we decided to go on a little walk along the trees, and we step on a tree, and all sorts of bees come out, and all of us got stung. I know, I know. You don't know me, and you think I'm making this up. I'm not making this up. This was a real vacation This really happened, and it doesn't stop there. On our next camping spot, we got chased by wild chickens. I didn't even know there were wild chickens in California. And then we stopped along the highway by now, completely defeated from this vacation. We saw some seals along the way, and I think they're walruses. The other ones are really ugly. And we decided to come by and look at them close up. Well, that's a really bad idea because they came after us. All right, listen, we came back from that vacation, and people were going, what happened to your kids? The beauty of those vacations is that although they can go bad, and whoa, that one went bad, it went so bad I had to write it all down is that we can go home, go back to our routines, and all is back to normal. Now I have this great story to tell, right? Vacations can be that way, but life is not. Sometimes in life, things go bad, things go wrong. Surprises hit us, challenges hit us, and we may or may not be able to recover from that experience, right? Sometimes we find ourselves well, we don't know the way forward, And there is no way back, and we don't know what to do. In those moments, in those moments, we usually ask ourselves, where is God? Is he going to watch over us? Does he care? You know, on this series, we have a passage that we have been using as our anchor passage. Out of Psalm 32 is a promise that God himself makes to each one of us today. Listen to the words out of Psalm 32, verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I will guide you. I will advise you. I will watch over you. These are promises from God, our Heavenly Father. Is He trustworthy? And in those moments when life, turns on us and things happen that are extremely painful we are quick to question if god is keeping this promise when life happens not as expected when we feel crippled by our circumstances can god be trusted today we're going to study about a man you probably don't know in the old testament is a story of this man it's a very short story often overlooked but this story today i am convinced is going to help us remember about god's kindness his loving kindness that is unending even in those moments when we think he's not around when we think perhaps he has left us so i hope that this story speaks to some of you i know there are people here today i know it I know it because all week long as I've been praying in preparation for this morning, I sense God saying there are people at Mission Viejo who need to hear this message. They need to know about my kindness. And I am praying that this story, if that's you, if it's only one of you, that story will speak to you what you need to hear today. So if you have your Bibles or your phone or any method, go if you would to 2 Samuel chapter 4. This is in the Old Testament, when king, when David was king of Israel. He had just become king of Israel. And when we see this story, the man that we're going to talk about today, his name is Mephibosheth. Try saying that three times if you're Puerto Rican. Mephibosheth. We see the story of Mephibosheth, a man who had all the promises of a great life. You see, he was the grandson of Saul, the first king of Israel, Jonathan's son. One day, he would be king himself of Israel. He was a prince, royalty, with all the privileges that come with that. And one day, one moment, one split second, everything changed. Everything changed. What's amazing to me that this moment for Mephibosheth is told in 2 Samuel chapter 4 in parentheses. Like, you know, by the way, in case, you know, you have time to read a little more, there's a little factoid you might want to know. Optional reading, Mephibosheth has a crisis. It's in parentheses, and I am sure that for Mephibosheth, that was no casual event It was tragic. It changed everything for him. And it makes sense that it's in parentheses because a big thing was happening. You see, Israel was at war with all kinds of kingdoms. There was a huge war going on. And when this happened to Mephibosheth, his grandfather Saul, his father Jonathan, his two uncles all died in the battle. And so he would be next to be king. A huge thing is happening, and by the way, this happens to Mephibosheth. You know, I wonder if this has ever happened to you, where you have like an important moment happen in your life, like a crisis, like a difficult situation. You get bad news, you experience something very difficult, and you tell other people, and they, you know, pat you on the back, they say, I'm sorry, they maybe send you a card and a few flowers. and Maybe they're hanging around for a little bit, but pretty soon they're all back to life. All, everybody goes on, and you're still going, wait, this was a big deal in my life. Why is everyone back to their business? Has that ever happened to you? This happened to Mephibosheth. He had a crisis in his life, and everyone moved on. So let's read what happened to him. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. Parentheses, opening. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came to Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. You see what happened to Mephibosheth, a prince... One who would soon become the king, the next king, has this horrific accident. In the panic for safety, the nurse drops this five-year-old. Now, there was reason for panic. You see, whenever another king took over a kingdom, at this point, David became a king. It was customary that that new king would kill all the family members of the prior king, especially the males. Why? Because they could come back and try to rebel against the new kingdom. It was known that it was possible that King David, who was chased constantly by Saul, was possible that David would take revenge by getting rid of Mephibosheth, the only surviving heir of Saul's kingdom. And so the nurse, out of panic, grabs his five-year-old and runs, hoping to save his life, but in so doing, she destroys his life. She drops him. Now, we don't know We don't know if he broke his knees or he broke a leg or he broke his foot or ankle. We don't know what happens. But we do know that from that moment on, Mephibosheth is crippled. He's lame. He's unable to walk for the rest of his life. Stunning blow to his life. You see, the fate of a child that cannot walk, a crippled person, a disabled person, a lame person, even today, even in our standards today, Is a challenging one. Now, I know in the US, we are very good at giving people opportunities. We have wheelchairs, we have medical care, we have all sorts of ways to have every person receive the opportunity to live life at their maximum. But that's not the case in most places around the world. And it was definitely not the the case at this time when Mephibosheth was injured. Clearly, he had no access to medical care. And clearly, it had devastating effect in his life. My husband and I, Jim, we have an opportunity to serve with an organization that gives wheelchairs away for free all around the world, Free Wheelchair Mission. And I want to tell you that even in today's standard, even all that we know in medicine, all that we know about disabilities, there are people in this world who are crippled and cannot leave their homes. This would have been the case for Mephibosheth. He would have been brought someplace. Maybe when he was five and was young, he could have been picked up and taken somewhere. But as soon as he became a young man, he was too heavy to be carried. He would be put in a bed in a room somewhere, and that's where he would live the rest of his life. And this happens even today. It's common for a person who is disabled to be looked at as cursed by God. There are cultures to this day That will bury their disabled alive, believing that if they do so, they satisfy the gods that have cursed them. Is that horrifying? This happens even to this day. And the receiving of some care, any kind of care, is such a blessing, it blows them away. In fact, when we go and we give a wheelchair away, I'll show you a a couple of pictures. When we give a wheelchair away, people cannot believe that this is a free gift. And so here we have a picture, for example, of a child in Peru. I hope we have the pictures up. This is India, actually. Uh, This little boy, I'm guessing he's about 9 or 10 years old, clearly probably too heavy for mom to carry. And he was stuck in a room for a long time until he received this wheelchair. This could have, might as well have been, look at this other boy in Peru, a young boy whose mother struggled also with carrying him because he flailed all over, receiving his very first wheelchair. That's not the case for Mephibosheth. He did not have any way out, no one to come and give him a gift of any kind. The only thing that Mephibosheth received was the loving care of someone who took him into their home. But that's it. You know, I wonder... Have you ever been dropped? You know, maybe physically, but more and more importantly, has have you been dropped emotionally? Like someone took something from you, someone hurt you, someone abused you, someone hurt you deeply. Have you ever been dropped? I was dropped. I'm one of seven children, grew up in Puerto Rico. I'm number six. When my mother became pregnant with our youngest, our dad left. I wasn't even a year old. And he never came back. I saw him maybe eight times until he passed away. I never had a father. And that had a lasting impact in me. I struggle with it every time we celebrate Father's Day. I struggle when I go to a wedding and I see a beautiful bride being held by her father all the way down to her husband. It left a hole in me, made me see men differently, women differently, see myself differently. I didn't even get to go to his funeral because his family said it was a private event. I've been dropped. Have you been dropped? But I've also dropped others. I'm like the nurse who in my own life panic, in my own attempt to survive and do the best I can, I have dropped others. I don't have time to tell you my whole testimony. Maybe Jeff will invite me back one day and I will. But suffice to say that in my life, I'm 52 years old. There it is. I've dropped others. I've been divorced twice. You know that camping trip? That was with my prior husband. I've made some huge mistakes. I've hurt people. I've hurt my children. And I still sometimes drop people, even though I do it unintentionally. Have you dropped someone else? Doesn't it hurt? Doesn't it hurt to be dropped Doesn't it pain to drop someone else? Both hurt. One may leave a deep sadness, a hole in our heart. The other leaves shame and guilt and regret. But nevertheless, being dropped or dropping someone else hurts. It hurts. We can't pretend that it doesn't. And in those moments when we are most hurting, we wonder, does God really care? Does he care, God? Do you care? Anyone else cry this cry out from your heart? Do you see my dilemma, oh God? Do you care? He does. He does. He does care. He cares very much about your pain, about your sorrow, about the void that's in your heart about the guilt and the shame and the regret. He cares. He watches over every single one of us. And today, this story, this story of Mephibosheth, it's a beautiful story of God's kindness towards us. He has nothing but unending kindness for us. Even though we may not see it, even though... We may feel like he's not there. He's not doing things the way we want. He cares. He wants to give us his unending kindness. And so as we read the story of Mephibosheth, we're going to see that God's kindness, his grace, his love, his care for us is well beyond our expectation. Extravagant kind of kindness. And in this story that we're going to read, we're going to see David showing kindness to Mephibosheth, even though he didn't have to. And I want you to see the the theme of God's kindness throughout. So if you have a Bible, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9 now. Well, we will read what happens to Mephibosheth, now a young adult, having lived his whole life isolated, unproductive, rejected, abandoned, looked at as a burden his whole life, hiding from David, believing that any day now David would find him and kill him. Finally, Mephibosheth receives the kindness he was seeking. So let me read this story for us. I'm going to read it through. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? for Jonathan's sake. Now, if you have your Bibles, grab a pen, highlight, underline, circle, whatever you want to do, that word kindness. It's important. I'll tell you why in a moment. Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, are you Ziba at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame at both feet. By the way, did you see God's kindness? Underlight, highlight, do something to that. It's important, and I'll tell you why. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness. There it is again. Highlight it, underline it, do something to it. It's important. For your sake of your father, Jonathan, I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master." will always eat at my father's table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Zeba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he was always ate at the king's table. He was lame at both feet. Kindness. You see that word three times. In one point in the middle, God's kindness. Anybody like Oreo cookies? Anybody? Oreo cookies? Really? Am I the only one? Double or Oreo cookies? Okay, the best part is in the middle. Kindness. God's loving kindness. Kindness. This word kindness in Hebrew is hesed, or more pronounced chesed. Hesed is a very difficult word to translate from the Hebrew. In fact, biblical... Um, Commentators say that it's one of the hardest words to translate because we have no equivalent in the English language. Hesed means it could be mean any of these things: kindness, loving kindness, mercy, steadfast love, favor, loyalty. And it's used about 250 times throughout the Old Testament, which is written mostly in Hebrew. The majority of time in the Psalms. And when you're reading the Psalms, you probably have heard this statement steadfast love, the steadfast love of the Lord, that is chesed, chesed, loving kindness that is sure love, kindness that isn't like the, uh, oh, by the way, kind of kindness, you know, the random act of kindness, we buy someone a cup of coffee at the line, you know, at the Starbucks, and we feel so good, or, you know, we give someone a seed, or we send someone a card, and then next day, we're not in a really good mood, so there goes kindness, Right? Not not that kind of kindness that's sort of in our mood and our convenience. Kindness that is kindness all the time. Kindness that is reliable. Kindness that never changes. Kindness that is like a contract, a covenant between two people. Loving, loyal kindness. That's the kind of kindness David wanted to show Mephibosheth. That kind of kindness. And he even says it. God's kindness, God's type of hesed love. Now you could imagine Mephibosheth has been living in in a little shack somewhere in Lodabar, which is like out in the desert somewhere. And here comes the king's chariots to pick up Mephibosheth. Now, do you think he was excited to see them? Probably not. He's thinking, this is the day I'm going to die. They came, they found me, this is it. And they come to him to offer him a huge gift, David's kindness, and I'm sure he was terrified. Listen, just a few weeks ago, my husband and I went to Peru with our family. We brought a wheelchair to an 80-year-old 80 80 man who had a stroke. When we walked to his house, he started sobbing, sobbing. You know what he thought? He thought that because he had a stroke, his family couldn't take care of him anymore, and we were sent to take him away. Here we came with a gift, and all he saw was the end for him. I think that was like the case for Mephibosheth. And then he gets brought to the king's palace. He's before the king himself. Now, mind you, Mephibosheth is a man who cannot walk. And may, most of you have never seen this, but a person that cannot walk in developing countries has to use their hands and their knees, if they can't, as their feet. And they get deformed. Huge calluses are formed in their hands and their knees. Sometimes they even use flip-flops in their hands to protect their hands. And I can imagine Mephibosheth coming to the king on the ground, crawling if it was possible for him to crawl. And listen to what it says. He bowed down. Listen, how much lower can you go? He drops himself so low before the king because he does not expect ever that this king would show him kindness. Isn't that like you and me? Don't we do the same thing sometimes when we think we have done too much, we have said too much, we have broken too many people, we have broken promises, and we think God would never love us. We think there is no way God, a good God, would show me kindness. And we distance ourselves from that God, and we hide from Him. And listen, God's kindness chases us out. He comes after us. There is no place. No place we can hide from his loving kindness. He will come after us. And he does it. He pursues us because loving kindness, said kindness, is a commitment that God will not release. And then he calls himself a dead dog. Now, you know, we have our dogs here. I have a dog at home. I have a beautiful lab. She's kind of too big for me to put in a purse, but I would if I could. You know, the people in the mall with their little dogs, the fluffy and the cute things. I mean, we love our dogs. In this time when Mephibosheth was alive, you see, to be called a dog to begin with was like an insult. To be called a dead dog was a huge insult. Mephibosheth's self-esteem is so low, he calls himself a dead dog. How can you have compassion on me? How is it possible that you want to show me kindness? Has anyone... Of you felt like a dead dog before God? And you think, God, there's no way you can show me kindness. Are you the kind that says, listen, I came to church today, but I think the building is going to collapse? Because I, there is no way. I've gone too far. I've done too much. I'm beyond hope. I've only one place to go. And it's hot there. Because that's what you believe about yourself. That's what Mephibosheth believed about himself. But that was not what the King David believed about him. And it is not what God believes about you. He looks at you. He wants to give you loving kindness. And he provides for Mephibosheth everything that he needs. His loving kindness is extravagant. He gives him all of Saul's properties. He made Mephibosheth richer than himself. And then because Mephibosheth is disabled, he gives him a whole team to help him accomplish the work. So now he is provided for the rest of his life. And I know there were people who said, you shouldn't do this, David. Don't you understand? You're making him richer, more powerful. He could come back and take the kingdom. But David didn't listen to those things. I wonder, are there naysayers in your life that say, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't, oh, you can't serve the church. Oh, you can't preach. I've heard that one because, you see, I've broken God's law. I've sinned. And there's people who say, well, you shouldn't be a preacher. That's, too, that's just too much kindness from God. That's not possible. Has that happened to you? Are there naysayers who say, you can't, you can't? David says, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to show this kindness. And God wants to show you that kind of kindness. Four times, four times in this story, we're told that Mephibosheth is invited to eat at the king's table. Four times you know, that is a very important place, a place of honor, a place where he would hear everything that was happening in the kingdom. Perhaps the most dangerous place for King David to place Mephibosheth right there, right close to him. That's how God wants us. You see, he wants us that close. He wants us at his table. He wants to dine with us. He wants to share with us his strategy. He wants us to work with him. He wants to use us for his purposes. No matter your past, no matter the people you've dropped, if you ask for forgiveness, he is quick to give it, and he is quick to bring you into his table for his work. And so we are all invited to the king's table, and none of us deserve to be there, not one of us. Romans tells us, 3.23 says this, All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have fallen short of the privilege of being at the king's table. But his loving kindness, translated into the Greek language, grace. We see it as grace in the New Testament. His grace is such that he invites us to his table. Look what it says in Revelations. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. You see, we're invited to the table. That pain... Whatever pain rose up for you this morning as we talked about being dropped, that pain that you may have felt when you think about the people you have dropped yourself, you can trust God with that pain. We can boldly come to the throne. We can boldly come to God's table and offer Him what we have in our hands, which is so often just pain. And He takes it. And by His loving kindness, He transforms us. He renews us. He comforts us. He heals us. He cares for us. We can come. We can come to the Lord. And you know, you do notice, Mephibosheth was still lame after all of this. It says at the very end, let me read that passage again. Verse 12 and 13, it says, Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And now, by the way, he was lame at both feet. You know, some things in our lives don't change. They don't go away. I've been divorced twice. My son is... I had him with my first husband. He's experienced two divorces. Do you think that has consequences? Absolutely, it has consequences. And those consequences don't go away. There are consequences for our actions, there are consequences for the actions of others in our lives. Reality is reality. We can't hide it. If you were abused, that happened. It was real. You can't just go, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to cover it. Doesn't matter anymore. Love Jesus. That's just a lie. It happened. It matters. But we don't have to live under that. We don't have to live under that pain. We don't have to live in condemnation. We are made free. We are invited to the king's table. Even though with us come all the consequences. We now live in those consequences, in that reality, with an ad- additional reality upon us. And that is that despite all that, despite all that, we are still enriched by God's loving kindness. You see, we come to the table receiving everything that we need. We come to the table with this in mind. It matters more to us what God and Jesus has done for us than what others have done to us. I got to say that again. You guys are sleeping on me. Right? It matters more what God and Jesus have done for us than what others have done to us. Do you see how it changes our perspective at the king's table? We now focus our eyes on the source of loving kindness that never, ever, ever, ever goes away. Eternal, forever loving kindness. And now we focus differently, you know? It was 51 years ago that my father left. Should I be living in the pity of that? Should I be angry? No. When I became a believer 12 years ago, it took time. It was a journey, but I forgave my father. And at the king's table, I embrace my heavenly father. And though my earthly father let me down, my heavenly father never will. I don't know how you were dropped, but I know this at the king's table. At the king's table, God will restore that. God will fill that hole. God will heal what you need to be healed. You see, God's grace came to us at his son's expense. It was his son who paid the price so that we could receive that extravagant kindness. And it's available to every one of us. So, see, we have two practical ways to respond to today's message. Some of us today simply needed to be reminded that this kindness is available to us. That God has not left us. That regardless of what's happening in your life, he has not forgotten. Do you know the story of Jesus and the disciples? They were on a boat and a storm came. The waves were hitting so bad that the disciples thought they were going to drown. And Jesus, we're told by Mark chapter 4, is at the boat in the corner sleeping on a pillow. Having a good nap. And they're frantic. And they come to Jesus. Peter comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, don't you care that I'm drowning? Jesus, we're dying here. We're throwing up the fish and the bread that you gave us a bit ago. Help us do something. At the king's table, we are reminded. Today, we are reminded. He's not sleeping, you see. He's not sleeping because he doesn't care. He may, not, he may feel as sin. It isn't because he doesn't care. It's because he's not afraid. He's not afraid like you and I are. He knows. He knows what's coming. And he knows that he's all-powerful to deal with whatever mountain is before you, whatever struggle is before you. He can handle it. So maybe all you needed today was to be reminded of that truth. Some of you have never accepted this to be so. Some of you have never said yes to the invitation to come to the table. And today, perhaps, this could be your day where the king comes to your place wherever you are and says, come, come and eat at my table. You too are invited. Come with your pain, come with your sorrow, come with your shame. I got good stuff to give you instead. I will take those things and I will give you life. I will take the death that's come in your life and I will give you life. I will restore relationships. I will restore your identity. You see, Mephibosheth stayed lame. His handicap did not go away, but David restored his identity. Some of us need our identity restored today. Maybe that's you. And some of us, Some of us have said yes to that, but we've forgotten that when we're invited to the table, we are given the opportunity, the honor, the privilege to be inviters of others. That we too now can pursue others and invite them to the king's table. I wonder if someone can come to mind, someone already to whom you need to tell about God's loving chesed kindness. Someone who's been searching for it. Someone who doesn't believe it's possible for them. Someone who's using money and success and cars and women and houses and men and work. All kinds of things trying to find that kindness that no one can give but only God can. Maybe there's a person that you can think of that needs to be invited to the table. Romans 10 tells us this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I don't want you to think you have to have it all together to do this. You see, we're all in some way lame and crippled. We all still sin. Sometimes we think I don't want to tell my friends about my faith because then they think I have it all together, and I don't. I don't have it all figured out. I still have doubts. You don't. We're we're the beggar helping another beggar. Let I me mean, show you a picture of Francis. We met Francis in Uganda. Francis had polio when he was a child, and Francis received his first wheelchair when he was around 12, and from that point, he dedicated his life to bringing mobility to other people. Today, Francis delivers wheelchairs to those who need them. And he preaches the gospel every time he does so. There's a picture of him preaching the gospel from his very simple wheelchair. That could be us. That might be you today. Are you the Francis to someone else? Don't have to have it together, don't have to have it all figured out, don't have to be a perfect Christian. Don't have to know the Bible from one end to the other. You know, it's okay if you don't know Peter from Paul. Just invite. Just talk about God's loving kindness. Some of you needed to be reminded of that today. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your chesed love. Thank you for your steadfast love, your loving kindness, your loyalty towards us. Thank you that you chase after us, that you pursue us, that you love us so much you will not stop until we're brought to your table. Thank you, Lord, that you make us clean, that you wash us through the blood of Jesus so that you see us as your sons and daughters. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, those who needed to be reminded of your kindness, those who needed to accept your kindness and those who need to share your kindness with others. May you continue to minister to them. May you shower upon them your kindness like never before. And we shall praise you. We shall give all glory to you because you are deserving of it all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand
1: and sing together. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, and yet we are all invited to the King's table. That is beautiful. Let's respond to that truth and that invitation this morning through singing, through praying. If you need prayer, there's people up in the front that are more than happy to pray for you. Let's sing out together.
0: before I go um, our prayer team is up front so if you have a need for prayer if God stirred in your heart today don't leave without being prayed for prayed with it's a blessing you know the, this morning before I preached I met a sister in the bathroom and I said would you please pray for me thank you sister wherever you are don't leave with our prayer it's a powerful thing let me pray for you and bless you before you go Put your hands out so that I may pour God's kindness upon you. God, use me as your instrument and pour your kindness upon your children who come today to hear you. Father, I pray that your presence was felt by them, and if not, zap them now. Let them know, Lord, that you never leave them, you're always with them. Father, shower your blessing upon your children, comfort them where they're needed, bring healing. Bring hope and encouragement. Transform hearts today, Lord, and use every single one of us to spread your good news, the good news of your kindness and your grace, which is extravagant, especially in those times when life happens the way we don't expect it. Thank you, Father, for your presence today and for your kind love. We pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next week.